Hello, and welcome to the debut episode of How to Be Fine. I'm Jalenta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, and we are so excited today because we're entering a new chapter for this podcast feed. That is right. You might be here because you're subscribed to Buy the Book, and you might be wondering, what is How to Be Fine? Well, after living by self-help books for 10 seasons on Buy the Book, we're shifting gears. We are ending Buy the Book and launching our new show, How to Be Fine, today, right now. Now, don't worry. All the old Buy the Book episodes stay on this feed, so you can always hop into the archives and listen to those episodes. And we will probably reference them from time to time on this show, too. Now, since this is a big change, we want to tell you why we're launching our new show. Buy the Book launched six years ago, and since then, we have lived by almost 100 self-help books. Oh my God, Jalenta, that's so many wow. books. <laughs> and it has been a wild, joyful, and yes, often challenging ride. But we've been itching for a new project, one where we can talk about a wider range of topics in the wellness space, in the self-help world, in the betterment universe, and share all the self-help knowledge we've amassed with our listeners. Plus, throughout the years of Buy the Book, thousands of listeners have reached out to seek advice. And we thought instead of taking advice, let's give it. So here's how it's going to work. In each episode of the show, we'll answer letters from two advice seekers. Our goal in answering these letters won't be to offer perfect solutions, but hopefully just get everyone a little closer to fine. Before we get to our advice, though, we'll open each episode by bringing our self-help knowledge to a buzzy betterment topic. We're calling this segment The Hot Topic. In The Hot Topic, one of us will tell the other about a story in the world of wellness that's grabbed our attention from questionable self-help gurus to cults to diet culture and so much more. We'll ground it in research, our life experiences, and of course, with a critical eye. Now, Kristen, to kick off our very first episode of How to Be Fine, you have a salacious hot topic for us. Yes, indeed I do. The topic is life coaches. So I did some research on life coaches and especially on life coaches who teach other life coaches who teach other life coaches how to be a life coach. And I got to say, my eyebrows raised all the way up to my hairline about some of the things <laughs> I found out. I'll get into all of that in a moment. But first, Jolenta, do you have any experience with life coaches? So I've been exposed to life coaching like secondhand. I have a friend who went to like, a, so you're an artist life coaching session. And then she told me some takeaways that seemed like useful. They were like motivating. But that's my only like direct experience. Otherwise, as someone who used to be an actor, there's a bit of an actor to life coach pipeline. Oh, Sh shall really? I say? <laughs> um, and like, it seems like life coaches are sort of like a therapist light. Like they've done <laughs> some sort of course in life betterment. And then you go to them to sort of get guidance, coaching and how to live life. Basically, they can help you give you advice. And they're like one step below a therapist. So 
one thing you mentioned there is they're educated, but yes. the fact is that life coaching is an entirely unregulated industry. There are no oversight Ooh. boards. There are no standard curricula. The definition of a life coach is uh, super vague. So I'm just going to read you what Miriam Webster says, what a life coach is here. It is an advisor who helps people make decisions, set and reach goals, or deal with problems. Once again, no code of ethics, no oversight boards, no education required. Anybody can call themselves a life coach. That's wild. I thought there was some sort of baseline like life coach criteria. It's like literally anyone could do it. I could do it. You could do it. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. You're my life coach. Boom. (laughs) And that's what it seems a lot of these life coaches are counting on. People like you, Jolenta, people like me saying, oh, I could do that. Maybe I can be a life coach too. So here's a real life example from our very own mailbag. Every week, amongst all the emails we receive from self-help authors pitching their books to us, there's a smattering of emails from life coaches. And Jolenta, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but pretty much every single one of the pitch letters that life coaches send us include a link. And I don't know if you ever click on these links. I do. Mm. And the links are always to sign up for their classes on how to be a life coach too. You're totally right. I always like, they're always like, oh, and P.S. I'm like offering this course too. But it is always a like become a coach course. Yes. Or like learn my coaching method. Yes, yes, yes. And I gotta say, I don't know how you feel, Jolenta, but Mm -hmm. the whole thing gives me a very multi-level marketing vibe. Definitely is sounds pyramid scheme or like pyramid scheme adjacent, depending on like if you get a kickback for referring people and stuff. Like it definitely sounds scammy now that I realize it's all about like getting people to enroll in their own classes. Yeah, yeah. And just full disclosure, I'm not just being skeptical of this universe because of the pitch emails we receive. A handful of my friends have turned to life coaches over the years, and every single one of those friends was persuaded to take life coach training classes, which cost them thousands of dollars. And surprise, not one of those friends has been able to nab paying clients or students outside our immediate circle of friends. Oh, yeah. That's like super pyramid scam, like red flag, right? When yeah. you like can't make money doing it other yeah. than like enrolling people. Yeah. And I just want to put in a good word for my friends here, by the way, in case mm-hmm. anyone's listening and thinking, God, Kristen's friends are so stupid. My friends are not dumb by any yeah. means. They really aren't. They are just people who wanted help. In some cases, they got some help, but. It was also served up with a dose of what I would say is predatory. Um, The so-called helpers they turned to were part of an industry that sometimes just isn't very helpful. Right. Sometimes sort of eats people up. Yes, exactly. So, Jolenta, I've done some research and I've gathered some facts on the life coaching universe. Do you want to hear some of them? Put all those facts in my head. Okay, you're going to especially love the final fact I share, but... Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So I'll start off first and foremost. This is kind of getting back to the definition of what life coaching Mm -hmm. is. So according to licensed psychologists and psychiatrists, 
life coaching is supposed to be distinct from therapy because of who it's serving and why. Specifically, it's intended to help functional people reach specific goals, ideally within a certain time frame. I see. As opposed to treating people with clinical issues. So they're supposed to be two different things. I'm not going to a life coach to work on like my severe depression or like agoraphobia. Exactly, exactly. But the investigative pieces I read for this episode, and we'll mm-hmm. link to them in the show notes, right. include story after story of coaches telling clients their mental health issues were not the problem. Their way of thinking was the problem. Right. It's like the mindset issue. It's like abundance comes to you with the mindset. It's not that you're unlucky. It's not that you have a chemical imbalance. It's that you just like haven't turned your frown upside down hard enough when it comes to like this issue. Yes. Yes. And, you know, the lines are so blurry sometimes. Like maybe I should actually see somebody who is licensed and is part of a regulated industry for my needs and not somebody who's going to tell me that I don't have a mindset of abundance, right? Well, and like, where's the line between like, what, how do you know if you're a functioning person reaching your goals or like someone who has a clinical issue unless you see like a real clinician? Yes, yes. Like, oh, maybe my executive functioning issues are not because I'm bad at setting goals, like maybe maybe if I saw a real therapist, they'd be like, hey, you have an attention deficit disorder yeah. or like you're dyslexic. Like, yes. Who knows? Or you're dealing with certain traumas that are actually very clinical and need to be dealt with that make it hard for you to do these kinds of tasks. I mean, yeah. Yeah. All right. So wild. More facts, please. <laughs> All right. Second fact I want to share with you. Despite a lot of focus on success and money, most life coaches don't make a lot of money. The Life Coach School, which is probably the most high-profile, largest coaching school with thousands and thousands of graduates, according to their own website, has a track record of only 122 graduates in their entire history making the six-figure annual salary they dangle over everyone's heads. So you can get rich doing this, but 122 out of many out of thousands? thousands? Yes. Those stats are low. I didn't realize it brought in such little income. Yeah. And I mean, again, how much of that income is even coming from life coaching and how much of it is from following their model of teach people how to be life coaches? Right. This is like if you've watched any of the Nexium documentaries, a sort of like self-help cult. But like it's that that's sounding very Nexium. Like they claim you'll be this rich influencer if you follow their guide, but you just end up like one of their teachers like who's living at the poverty line. I am so glad you brought up Nexium because that is part of my next fact I want to share <gasps> with you, Jolenta. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so life coach schools have been at the center of Ponzi schemes, college admission scandals, cults. They are at the center of so many messed up things. So just an example, Nexium, which you just mentioned, the cult started by Keith Ranieri, which we are going to dive into deeper in a future episode. But they frame themselves as a life coaching institute, like a betterment institute, which, yeah, that's just one example. Another one, the big Operation Varsity Blues scandal, which you may remember, a number of celebrities paid this life coach, essentially, to 
help their kids get into colleges. And it's like this guy at the center of this who billed himself as a life coach, was he a life coach or was he really somebody who just liked breaking the law? Yeah. And Ponzi schemes too? Yes. Ponzi schemes. Uh, one of the biggest examples of a Ponzi scheme was the Secret to Life Coaching School. Such a, <laughs> such a, a ridiculous name. name. They Ooh, were what's the secret? <laughs> the secret is a Ponzi scheme. They were accused <laughs> in a class action lawsuit of running a Ponzi scheme that brought in somewhere between 8 and $20 million. So, oh my God. I mean, an industry that is this fraught that is filled with this many scandals, it just seems very bad for the industry. Um, that on top of the fact that, as we already mentioned, not regulated, not certified, no education required. Jolenta, you and I can call ourselves life coaches right now. I am ready to learn at your feet. Life coach, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wild. But enough facts, Jolenta. I just want to talk real life here. Nora, our executive producer, she knew that we were putting together this episode and she whispered to me, I actually saw a life coach once and oh Nora's gosh. here right now. Nora. Hey. <laughs> Nora, can you Yay. can you tell us about your experience seeing a life coach? I'm dying to know. Yeah. So actually, I had a really positive experience. This was also, I will preface, this was probably 10 years ago. So mm -hmm. I'll be dating myself a little, but I was in my mid to late 20s. Um, and it was also a group life coaching class. So it was like me and maybe eight other women. But at the time, it was kind of mind blowing for me because she was sharing some tips that probably to us now are not that mind blowing. But at the time, it was like things like plan things to look forward to set rituals in your life, like do meditation in the morning, like kind of basic self-help stuff that as a younger person was really, really helpful to me. So she was actually great and kind of gave me the, the kick in the butt that I needed at that time in my life. Um, but I did notice I've sort of followed her through the years here and there. And I, I checked her website actually this morning and she's pivoted now. She's like a life coach for leadership, for women mm -hmm. running companies and things like that. And her website sort of distances herself from like the sort of onslaught of life coach industry stuff that we've seen recently. So yeah, but I, I thought she was great, but I, I think she might be a rare breed. <laughs> uh, so she's more of an executive coach at this point. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yes, that's yes. different. Yeah. Right. And I find like specific coaching where it's not as general as life, but it's like executive coaching or like sensitivity training, like people who coach on like specific arenas tend to be a bit more insightful and a bit less take my classy. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And I will say she never, ever pushed any courses to teach other people how to be life coaches. That wasn't her bag. She genuinely uh, wanted to help right. people. I also wonder if like the group setting almost makes it like safer or like there's more accountability where it's like this is a bit more of just sort of a course in a few life skills that you may not have picked up or that they don't teach in college or high school or whatever, as opposed to like here's how I'm going to tell you, individual person, how you should live your life and exactly. take my class on this other thing. Yeah, that's spot on. I also wonder if because this was 10 years ago and because, mm -hmm. you know, times can change really fast. One of the stats I came across was that there was a 31% increase in people who signed up to take life coaching classes over the course of the pandemic. There are a lot of people who suddenly oh. are feeling unhappy in the world or who've lost their jobs or 
who are feeling like things are not stable because they certainly were not stable and they were looking for psychological reassurance, but also looking for additional income sources. And life coaching was something that a lot of people thought, oh, maybe I can do it. And and I'll be honest with you, at one point in my life, I thought I could be a life coach in all seriousness. This was over 10 years ago. One of my friends suggested it to me. She said, you know, you're always very even-tempered and measured, and um, you're, you're very good at adulting. Have you ever thought about being a life coach yourself? And I will be honest with you, like, there's a split second there where I was like, maybe I should do this. Maybe, maybe this is something I can sign up for. But then um, when I started looking into how to become a life coach, I, I just admittedly got very confused because I'm like, are any of these really schools? I like, can't really tell what's going a, is on. Is there here. a baseline criteria? Yeah. Why is this online course this much money? But why is this like video course twenty thousand dollars? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was just an industry that started in earnest, but like all good things, MLMs had to come ruin them. Yeah. Like yeah. you think like helping people is safe? MLMs are here. You think leggings are safe? MLMs <laughs> are here. <laughs> yes. And again, you yeah. get a pandemic in the picture and things just go out the window. But Nora, I'm so glad that you came into the conversation because we don't want to just be bashing everybody who goes to a life coach or who is a life coach. What we really just want to talk about is some of this industry is, because it's not regulated, because it's not certified, Mm -hmm. because there's not a standard for education, there's a lot of room for abuse in this industry. Um, Again, not trying to point fingers at, you know, people like you know are being dumb or bad or whatever mm-hmm, for, mm-hmm. you know so I, I i hope it didn't come across that way nora no no not at all good i'm happy to know that like there are some life coaches like out there practicing in earnest basically you know yeah and i will say one other thing about the coach i saw i was recommended to her through a friend so it was very much word of word of mouth like came up kind of just casually in a conversation mm-hmm. A friend that I trust, a close friend. So that makes a big difference, I think, too. It wasn't like an influencer self-help life coach I found online or something, you know, or on Instagram. Right. You didn't just Google, like, feeling lost. (laughs) 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 Although I definitely was then at the time. (laughs) Right. Like, we've all done it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Nora, thank you so much for jumping in and sharing your story. We really, really appreciate it. Yes. And we we also want to hear from all of you out there. Like Nora, have you seen a life coach? Have you, like me, ever contemplated really being a life coach yourself? Have you taken a life coaching class in how to life coach? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Reach out to us and share your story. You can write to us at kristenangelenta at gmail.com or weigh in at facebook.com slash groups slash kristenangelenta. You can also use that email address to send in your own advice questions, too. We're going to take a quick break, but when we're back, an advice seeker wants to live in the present moment, but can never seem to figure out how. Stay with us. We are back, and now it is time for the part of the show where we answer your advice questions. Through the years, we've received thousands (laughs) of advice questions from listeners. 
We love that we have created a space for people to be vulnerable and open with us. And it's a big part of why we wanted to create this show. Now, on to the first letter of the day. Jolenta, what do they have to say? Okay. Our first letter writer ever says, Dear Kristen and Jolenta, I'm wondering if you have any recommendations for how to live more in and with the seasons. When I reflected on the last year, I found that I really did not appreciate the seasons, including the respective holidays enough. I'm solo, not religious, and not ultra crafty. Even when I live in a place where it's naturally easy to celebrate the seasons, I still struggle to do so. Any advice would be appreciated. I love holidays, Jolenta, as you know. Yeah. And I love seasons. You came to the right person. We got Kristen. Yes, absolutely. And I I totally understand this letter writer mentioning, you know, that they're solo and not religious and not crafty, Mm -hmm. because I think those three things get pushed a lot when we think of holidays and we think of seasons. Right. Make a wreath. Go to church. Yeah. Get together with your family and kids. Yeah. But the seasons don't have to be about things like that. And they also don't have to be high pressure. You know, I think holidays can feel really high pressure. Um, Yes. And so I have a few ideas that I think might help this letter writer to enjoy holidays or enjoy the seasons in a very low pressure way. So one thing I like to do, as you know, Jolenta, is celebrate minor holidays. And a lot of them are, you know, kind of pop culture holidays. So for example, Earth, Wind, and Fire Day is um, the 21st night of September, and it is you know, it's it's based on a song by Earth, Wind, That's and Fire. That's really funny. Do you remember? Yes, exactly. The exactly. The 21st night of September. You know the song. Yeah. Do you remember the 21st night September? And that time of year is beautiful all over the world. Um, It's either spring if you are on one hemisphere or it's autumn if you're on the other hemisphere. It's a great night to go out and you know, look at the leaves or have a cocktail on a patio at a restaurant or do something where you can sing that song to yourself or you can dance and just feel like you're celebrating a holiday and a time of year that doesn't necessarily, you know, get celebrated as much as, you know, Christmas or New Year's or whatnot. So um, minor holidays, they can be May the 4th, obviously, which is also known as Star Wars Day. Maybe or get together. my birthday. Yes, exactly. Jolenta's birthday. <laughs> get together with some friends and watch Star Trek just to be, you know, subversive. Just to be counterculture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, celebrate some minor holidays or some pop culture holidays. That's one idea because they're very low pressure compared to those other big ones. Right. It's not like, what are you doing for Halloween yes. and New Year's? <laughs> like type five. Yes. Another idea I have is to sign up for walks during the different seasons. So for example, this last autumn, I signed up for a bird watching walk during migration season. And it was 90 minutes of my day, but I got to appreciate the season in a way that I didn't normally because I had my binoculars. I was with 20 other bird watchers and it was so fun to celebrate the season in that way. Um, Something else I've done is sign up for cemetery walks in October because there are tons of them at, you know, all the big cemeteries have them in October in the lead up to Halloween. So that's another way that you can sign up for a walk. And this upcoming spring, I'm signing up for what's called the Great Saunter, which 
is walking the 32 miles around the complete perimeter of Manhattan. And it's just a way to be outside in the spring, enjoy the fact that it's no longer winter, and see the trees starting to bud, uh, enjoy the warmer weather. So that's another tip I have. Sign up for some walks. And when I say sign up, the reason I'm saying sign up is because then a reminder will come up on your calendar and be like, yeah, don't forget you have this walk coming up. So and they're like, oh, shit, spring's coming. Yeah. So if you're feeling like, oh, I forget to celebrate these holidays, well, you won't forget because that reminder is going to tell you. Yes, it's time and to do that like, thing. A lot of the like birding walks or a cemetery tour, a lot of those are free, too, which is great. Oh, yeah. Most of the ones I do are free because I am cheap. <laughs> right. Of course. <laughs> Duh. What was I thinking? Yeah. But Jolenta, what are your tips? Um, my tip is is a little smaller scale. You know, I'm immunocompromised. I'm not hanging out with tons of people and celebrating tons of shit. So, like, I have to make sure I mark the seasons and holidays. Otherwise, like, all time will become, you know, a blur and I'll never know what day it is or, like, enjoy anything. But I have found a simple, small way to sort of stay engaged with the world around me is to have like one spot outdoors that I like to visit. It's not far from me. It's a little bench near a community garden, not even in it because I don't have the key. Um, (laughs) But if you have like a spot you frequently visit, when you sit and look around, it's pretty easy to notice what's different after a week or even just a few days. You're like, oh, things are a lot more frozen looking. Winter's coming or, oh, my gosh, like the first, you know, daffodil just popped up. It's spring. And so having a place that I visit over and over that I like know the terrain of helps me notice the small little changes that indicate the changing seasons and it helps me feel like a part of the changing world. Oh, Jolenta, I you know what's so great about that? It's something that everybody can do and it takes no effort. It's not like doing research to sign up for those walks that I mentioned. It's not arduous. It's not time consuming. It can even just be like looking out like the same window once in a while and like being like mildly intentional about it. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit, that last part you just said there, of a Facebook community I'm in called Scenes from My Window. And people just take a picture outside, you know, what they see outside their window. And That's some people so post precious. Yeah. Well, some people post every month, some people post a few times a year. But maybe that's something that you can uh let a writer do is maybe the first day of every month just take one photo that is, you know, what's outside your window. And maybe it's snow, maybe it's birds, maybe it's trash, maybe it's a squirrel, who knows what it is. But that can be a way to stay mindful. And what does yeah. that take three seconds to make you know, an take Instagram that account dedicated to like what's out your window? Yeah. And also just, you know, it, it's fun then because you have a memento to look back on later and think, oh, yeah, that's where I was on March 1st. Right. And listeners, we also want to hear from you. What are your ideas? How do you stay feeling connected to the world around you? How do you stay in the season? How do you interact with the season? Let us know. Email us at kristinandjolenta at gmail.com. All right. We're going to take one more quick break. But before we do, a reminder, we love it when you rate and review us in your podcatcher. Uh, Five stars would be great. A few good Mm -hmm. words would be great. You know, Whatever works for you. We'll take it. (laughs) And if you haven't already, tell a friend about the show. Coming up, 
a letter writer wants to be less of a doormat. Stay with us. All right, we are back with our second letter of the day. And Kristen, it's your turn. Take it away. All right. Our second advice seeker says, Dear Kristen and Jolenta, I'm in a solid marriage with my husband, but I kind of feel like a doormat with friends. I know everyone's busy and I try to be understanding when plans fall through, but sometimes I feel like I'm so understanding that I become a bottom priority. By the way, I do think my friends are good people. Ah, yes. Feeling like you're being used a little bit. Feeling like feeling, you don't matter that much like sometimes. Feeling like you're giving more than others sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you been there, Jolenta? I, I can totally relate to this um, in feeling sort of like a doormat and at the mercy of uh, being immunocompromised right now. And, you know, it feels like everyone is busy. Everyone is getting on with life. I don't have the luxury of being able to do that. And a lot of times I'll make plans with someone who maybe has a small kid and the day before we're about to hang out, they'll be like, actually, like baby is sick. Probably best if we call it off because like they're looking out for me. They don't want me to be sick, but it's a bummer to have so many plans fall through and to feel like you know, I can only see people if a billion circumstances are right, if the weather's right, if the kids aren't sick, if the tests are negative, you know, if I'm feeling up to it. And it starts to feel like you're forgotten and everyone's just sort of going on with their lives. And even though you love them, you're like, hey, wait, what about me? And I have found that persistence is key. Not like annoying persistence, but just Try to remember the dates that have fallen through. And like Kristen has said, you know, the circumstances your friends are in and try maybe for next month or remember this person basically won't be available all cold and flu season in my case because their three kids are constantly sick. And just like, let's shoot for the spring and put a note in your calendar. That's what I do. I kind of almost make a schedule of people I reach out to and sort of rolling dates that get canceled that I try to push to get rescheduled. And people will forget about you or sort of act like they're moving on. But the second you pipe up, like you both remember you love each other and and the people who are worth it will always end up making time eventually. And I mean, I'm just going to say in my case that I've had friends spend less time with me than I would like. I've had friends yeah. cancel on me more than I would like. And I have to keep in mind who my friends are, what they're going through in different seasons. Right. Some of my friends, for example, are more anxious than me, and they'll say yes to more than they can handle. When it comes down to it, maybe they can only handle going out once every other week, not every week. And that once every other week is going to be with a different friend each time, and that means I'm going to see them once every three months and not once a month like I would like to. Um, certain friends of mine, their priorities shift sometimes when, for example, they are in the midst of falling madly in love. And some of my friends are really bad at, in the early stages mm -hmm. of love, mm -hmm. being able to also be friends, which I hate to say it is not just something that 
18-year-olds or 25-year-olds do. They're happens friends of mine forever. who are in their 40s who accidentally do that too. <laughs> I think that <laughs> happens to a lot of people of different ages and stages. And this may be uncomfortable. I, I'm guessing it is. It's uncomfortable for me. But you might need to actually have a couple of conversations with friends that are very frank about this, you know. And by frank, I don't mean mean or scolding, but just clearing the air and finding out, is there something going on here? Is there something that I can do? Is there something I've done to upset you? Is there a reason why we're not seeing each other as much as I would like or why you feel the need to cancel on me most of the time? Is there a reason? And I will say for myself, I had one of these uncomfortable conversations over the last year with one of my friends. And I kind of said, you know, I hope you're doing okay. I couldn't help but notice over the last year or two, almost every time I reach out to you, you don't respond. You maybe respond to one out of every six texts I send. Is everything okay? Do you, do you need distance from this friendship? Is there anything I've done that has hurt you? Because I would want to remedy that. And I'm sorry if I have. And she admitted, like, I just really am embarrassed to say how much this pandemic has affected me. I have made my life very, very small. I didn't realize how much my mental health was suffering. I recently found a therapist that's working. I recently started medications again. And there were a lot of things that, you know, I approached it thinking like, what did I do wrong? And it was not about me uh, at yeah. all. It was all about her. And she just didn't even realize how everything she was going through was leading certain people who loved her like me to worry, like, did I fuck up? Is something right. going on here? Does she not want to be friends anymore? She wasn't thinking about me at all. It wasn't even about me. It was just like she's going through her own shit. And she really did make her life very, very small. It was just her, yeah. her partner, and her child, and nothing else. Her job she could do from home. She told me she didn't leave her house for days or weeks at a time. She just wow. was sad, and she was in a yeah. small, tiny world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that includes, like, not texting people back. Yes. Exactly. And like not like being angry or annoyed with Kristen at all. Yeah. It was helpful for me to know that because if I did do something that I fucked up really badly, I'd want to know what it was and I'd want to make amends. Um, or if she just said like, yeah, right now I'm like not socializing as much, that would be good to know too. But then when I found out it was really about struggle she was going through, then I could give her love and a hug too. So she could make me feel at that moment, a little less alone, you know? And I think a lot of us go through that. When we're going through a tough time, some of us do isolate. Um, oh, totally. And rather than get the hugs that maybe would make us feel better, we just kind of isolate and isolate more. And yeah, that's what that friend was doing. She wasn't trying to hurt anybody else in the process. So yeah, if you want to know, sometimes you just got to be a little blunt. Yeah. But we we know that you're strong enough to do it. If you need to have an uncomfortable conversation, we know you're capable. And we know you have lots of love to give. Clearly. You have lots of friends who love you back. And you have lots of future friends on the horizon. So good luck to you, Letter Writer. We hope that things just get better for you here. And that's it for this debut episode of How to Be Fine. We hope you loved it. Be sure to follow us on Instagram. Kristen's at K-N-Minzer. That's K-1-0-Minzer. And I'm at Jolenta underscore G. Until next time, I'm Kristen Minzer. And I'm Jolenta Greenberg. Thank you so much for listening, all you fine people. 
Bye-bye. Stay fine. I am a life coach. As a matter of fact, would you like to be a life coach too? (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I have this course you're going to (laughs) love. As a matter of fact, just by listening to this show, you too can become a life coach. (laughs) Stitcher. 